Fearless leaders are not afraid to follow their passion. They build great community. They create a world which people want to belong in these communities. They have deep passion for social evolution. And they bring their expertise and passion to everything they do. And when things get tough, all you have to do is dance. Stay tuned for more detail on Nalazan Man, also known as Booth Cryer. Please stay tuned. We'll be right back. Welcome to the Your Life Now Show, where your life and your business matter. Your host is a certified executive coach and trainer with the passion to help make the difference in the world. Your Life Now Show brings you powerful resources and effective tips to help you manage your life and your business at its best. And now, here's your host, Coach Rhea. Hello, my friends, and welcome. You are listening to Your Life Now Show, where your life and your business matter. I am your host and executive producer, Rhea Wolke, also known as Coach Rhea. Welcome to the show and happy Thursday. It's a beautiful spring day out here in the East Coast, and I hope you are enjoying your day, whatever you are, and whatever is going on in your world, you can make the best of it, because we always have to be grateful. Being optimistic sometimes, you know, people say that's too much, and, and they just don't want it, but Sorry, guys, you know, um, that's the only way that I accept things is just to always think positively so I can create the things that I want to create in my life, and I hope you consider that as well. So, again, I am the founder and the CEO of Your Life Now, and Your Life Now is a professional and executive coaching, leadership training, marketing, and PR company. On this show, we invite best-selling authors, thought leaders, and also a lot of great teachers to help us with our journey in life and in business. So they can share with us helpful tips and suggestions. But all I ask of you is to have an open mind and an open heart. Take what's useful for you and question everything. After all, it is your life, so why don't you live it your way? We're going to take a short break, and when we come back, we'll get into our amazing show for today. Thank you so much for being here. We'll be right back. Your Life Now Radio Show with Coach Rhea will return in just a few moments. We are so excited about the new things we are working on to make Your Life Now Radio Show the place where you can learn and share your message with the world. For more detail on how you and all your business can participate and get involved, contact us at www.yourlifenow.info and we'll be more than happy to share with you how we can help you and your business by sharing you, your business, and your message with the world, whether your world is local or global. We have great solutions and ideas for you. For more information, contact us at www. 
dot your life now dot info again that's your life now dot info welcome back my friends you are listening to your life now show where your life and your business matter i am your host and executive producer ria wilkie also known as coach ria welcome in thank you so much for joining us we have a great show for you guys as always great guests and today's guest and today's leader and our feature guest is bruce crier my dear friend he's also known as the renaissance man he is a thought leader who has a deep passion for social evolution and for personal growth bruce brings his expertise and passion for renaissance living to all those he chooses to work with creating powerful culturally rich and result driven approach to everything he does he has been named one of the top 50 thought leaders in personal excellence by leadership excellence magazine in his 2 years journey of health crisis and deep soul choices led him back to the singing and dancing Please help me welcome my dear friend Bruce Cryer. Thank you so much for being here, Bruce. Welcome to the show. <laughs> Thank you so much, Ria. What a great introduction. Thank you. This is fun. I look forward to uh, to the show a lot. You know, it's it's all about having fun and you know, doing what you love and having fun doing it, right? Um Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's my attitude. And you know what? I have to tell you, what an honor to have you on this show. going through your background I was like oh my god the things that you had accomplished the things thus far of course the things that you had the impact that you have uh, made so it's it's really an honor for us to have you on the show thank you so much again for being here yeah my my pleasure i i look forward to learning more about your life too this would be a fun conversation yeah absolutely so let's start i'm telling everybody come on and meet the renaissance man so how did you get that name let's start because i know what the renaissance means so from you know back in those days and i'm going to put it in your hands now yeah sure well you know i've had this interesting kind of varied career starting out in the theater and a little bit of television and film back in my youth broadway kind of thing and then left all that and got into various businesses mostly in the health and and personal growth areas and uh, enjoyed great success and spent 20 some years just with one organization that's now legendary called HeartMath and was CEO of HeartMath for about 11 years and so doing all this uh, great work and but along the way hit this two year a uh, long night of of pain and some suffering involving some health issues that I had to deal with pretty significant ones and as I was coming out of that back in 2011 I realized that part of what was happening was that I had gotten so far away from the creative urge of my youth singing and dancing and being artistic and and I was still writing and I was still teaching and things like that and enjoying that kind of work and facilitation of groups and workshops and coaching but pure creativity creating an event cre- creating a song creating a dance creating a, uh, a a beautiful piece of art through photography whatever that was i kind of cut off and as i got started to get that back after my healing got going really well starting around 2011 i realized that, man i feel like i'm so alive again and i feel young younger again and i'm getting healthier more rapidly and getting all these these creative outlets 
And along the way, people who had only known me for the business work I did and teaching at Stanford and blah, 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 all that kind of stuff, uh, didn't even know that I had this background in singing and dancing and art and whatever. And they would say, I'd have comments like, well, you're like a renaissance man. You do all these varied things. And then other, likewise, people who only knew me on the artistic front and kind of lost track of all the business stuff I had done had this, you know, I was hearing the same thing. You're like a renaissance man. And I thought, wow, that's interesting because I've never seen myself in that way, partly because I've never done it all at the same time. But now, at this phase of the last several years of my life, I am singing, I am dancing, I am doing photography, I am um, coaching leaders, I'm working with uh, large organizations, working healthcare, a diversity of things that I get to do. And so it's kind of the first time in my life I've been able to really enjoy the fruits of being what has been called traditionally a renaissance man. And then I decided, well, that's an old-fashioned term because what about women? <laughs> and uh, like half the world's population <laughs> can't, can't become a renaissance man. So I thought, okay, the, the new term needs to be renaissance human, where we are Human, I love it, yeah. The, yes, the, embracing the fullness of our creative capacity, whatever that means. Yeah. It doesn't have to be artistic. Right. And so that's kind of my mission now is kind of helping to awaken that. And, and whether it's somebody that, that I'm coaching who's an entrepreneur or someone who just wants to start writing because they think they're, they've got a great talent as a writer, you know, whatever, whoever it may be. That's awesome. That's that's very cool. Cause yeah, I mean, obviously, I didn't want to go through. I would be reading, you know, the whole show. Your your background. I mean, the things that you do. It's it's very. Um, yeah, I was like, oh my god, and he did that. Oh wow, okay. <laughs> so be able to do all these things and also, you know, um, go through some adversity with your health issues and stuff like that and come out strong. Because you know, you know, sometimes. Um, things might not be, you know, what we think it is, and, and things do happen, and they shift in a certain directions, but they shift for a reason sometimes, too. Um, and, and uh, you know, you are here, and, and you started in New York, and now you're back in New York. So, you know, so you love the theater, and so what made you want to move to California? And so, you know, I, I love the career in New York. I, I love performing. I was very fortunate to get, be in a, an amazing show called The Fantastics, the world's longest-running musical, and I had an opportunity to do 800 performances of that magical show. So I had a kind of a dream life as a young actor in a, in a wonderful show. You know, the world was my oyster kind of thing. But increasingly, I felt that my own growth was more interesting to me than just being on stage performing, and that I could only give so much as a performer because I was... I felt quite young in certain ways and not as experienced in life as I wanted to be. And so little by little, I was being drawn more to reading books on psychology and spiritual, spirituality and health and nutrition. And, and these became stronger and stronger interests, stronger than be, becoming an even better actor or better singer or whatever. And uh, finally, I decided I was going to make a huge shift and end the involvement with uh, theater completely moved to the West Coast. I, I loved California, the Bay Area in particular, and decided mm. to move to the Bay Area in the late 70s and uh, got involved initially with a publishing company, later with the nutrition company, later with HeartMath, and a process unfolded for me where I discovered business. <laughs> I'd never really been in business. I'd been in show business, and as an actor, that's really different. And uh, so now I was wow. in business, and these were mostly relatively small businesses, but they were all businesses trying to make a difference in the world. The publishing company was publishing uh, new science about mind-body medicine and about consciousness, and the nutrition company was the first to introduce a, a food uh, called spirulina to the United States. 
And then in, the, in 91, when HeartMath started, we were the first ones to prove that the heart is actually an intelligent system. So I was drawn to a series of businesses that were innovative, trying to do new things, uh, learn new things about health and human, uh, human consciousness. And, and little by little, I realized I'm pretty good at this. This, this business thing is kind of fun. And initially, it did a lot in marketing. I designed stuff, the artistic side from my earlier years was coming in very handy doing marketing and graphic design and stuff like that. And then eventually got into more management and more executive positions and, and found that I enjoyed that too up to a point, <laughs> up to the point where you become, when you become a CEO of a, in this case, HeartMath, which was a, almost a $10 million company, there's a lot going on in a comp- company of that size, the complexity, a lot of management issues to do, and you can be, uh, you have to drift farther and farther away from the pure creative side when the business is young and new. So I was getting less and less fulfilled because I couldn't, I didn't have the same creative outlets uh, in my in the last part of my uh, my term as CEO. But uh, but yeah, that was the, the that was kind of the, what pulled me out there and what kept me there. And uh, so I was there a very long time and loved the lifestyle of California and loved the Bay Area and uh, and loved going back, which I get to do as I still teach at Stanford uh, several times a year. So uh, I love all that. But it's a new phase. I'm back. I'm back in New York and really glad I'm here. Brooklyn. Brooklyn is in the house. We're definitely in the house. Brooklyn. Right? Represent. <laughs> Brooklyn. Forget about it. Absolutely. Hello, Brooklyn. You know, I there's a sign in the belt. <laughs> so, I, you know, the show is all thought-provoking. And, and I'm always like, you know, when, something, when I hear something, I, I want to like, you know, Provoke it more of of the thinking about it. Yeah. So I mean, obviously, yeah. because we scheduled the show in the short in the short term in short time, I didn't have enough time to go through everything that you were doing with the heart math. I mean, I'm from like sort of. I of course I've heard of it, but I'm really not you know completely familiar with it. And when you said the concept of the the heart is an intelligent. Um, you know, there's been a study. See, I'm 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 the the brain, the mind, not the brain, because the brain is just a is just a piece of uh, organ, right? It's the mind. I'm all about the mind, and I always think about like you know the heart is intelligent, but the heart communicates with you know. So I wanted to know your philosophy on that one. So here's follow my thinking here. So yeah. um, for me, I always think if if we wanted to know what are we thinking, we just really need to know how we're feeling. So for me, it starts in the mind. Like I feel like, you know, everything starts in the mind, even your health, even your feelings, your emotions, everything starts in the mind and what's going on in that mind and then the body. Obviously, that's the mind and body connection. But, you know, obviously people think differently. People think the heart thinks, and I think the heart just responds to our mind and, 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 and the mind, you know, sort of like, you know, the dominate here, not the heart. So what are you thinking mm-hmm. about that? I have mm-hmm. a feeling you disagree mm-hmm. about this one. <laughs> well, yeah, no, uh, yes, yes, yes and no. I mean, I, I think that is the dominant view that the, the mind, which is some kind of dimensional aspect uh, outplay of the brain, supersedes everything else. That there's certainly lots of religions, the Buddhism, for example, and, and many and, and, you know, in the last 30 years in particular, the, the explosion of interest in the brain and what that means from the standpoint of what our mind is capable of on conscious or unconscious levels, there's no question the, the, the brain and mind are, are even far more powerful. I think we, we're just scratching the surface. We're not even on the, the, 
layer of snow wow. on the tip of the iceberg. Oh, we're, we're just cool. like the first few particles of what's really there. And but with the, I think what what was fascinating to me when we were starting HeartMath was that the, the man who founded HeartMath, a man named Doc Childry, who has been a close friend of mine and mentor for more than 30 years now, in fact, going on 40 since we first met, um, had this view that when and, and he was a when he was a young man, he started to notice that when he put his heart into something, it was much more effective than if his heart wasn't into something, and that could mean a job. If he loved the job, he was much better at it than if he didn't love it. And that could mean a relationship. If he really loved the person, really cared about the person, it was a better relationship than if he didn't. Um, if he was trying to lose weight <laughs> and his heart was in it, he would be successful. So he started to notice when my heart's in it, uh, it really makes a significant difference. And he noticed that at the time, 30, 40 years ago, um, the heart was being viewed just as a pump, that the brain was the whole story and that the heart's just a pump. And yet when you look at you know, every major civilization, every major spiritual or religious tradition, the heart was always revered as much more than just a pump, as a source of strength, as a source of courage, as a source of intuition, a wisdom. You know, it's no accident that we're encouraged as, as children to follow your heart. Does the, does the parent mean follow your pump? <laughs> no, they mean some deep connection of yeah. who you really are. So I think what, what HeartMath is trying to do, th thanks to Doc's insight, was to kind of let's bring some balance back in the picture here because if we're thinking it's all the mind, well, what about love? We, we really think all love really comes just from the mind and maybe there is another dimension that is the heart that is beyond what the heart is. is like your distinction between the mind and the brain, the physical heart is one dimension, but then there's this other aspect of it, more the spiritual heart, if you will, or the emotional heart, just like the mind is a, a dimension right. different than just right. what is the physical right. stuff, the, right. gray, the gray matter. Right. So that was kind of the reason HeartMath got set up was to try to find out, could, could we use the tools of contemporary mainstream science, not new age science, not woo-woo stuff, mainstream science to establish uh, what really is going on in the heart, why it is that, for example, 100 years ago, heart disease was not in the top 10 reasons we would die. And today, and for the last 50 years, it's been the number one reason by far. So why did that change? Part of it, we have, we're living longer, so now our hearts give out when we're 80. We didn't used to live that long. But a lot of it is because of the stresses of modern life, which impact the heart, and the, and the heart gives way. But why are, why are we stressed? Usually there's some gap between what we want life to be and how it is. It's so yeah, we, we, it's, we quit jobs. We quit jobs. Yeah, we quit jobs because we don't feel appreciated by the boss, by the owner. That's why we want to quit a lot of times. We quit relationships because we don't feel loved, we don't feel appreciated. And so we kind of were looking at all this and saying, hmm, interesting picture here. Relationships fail, jobs fail. Um, when your heart's not in it, our, our actual hearts are failing more than they ever used to. There's got to be some connection between all of this. But we didn't want to just kind of theorize that or come up with some self-help system. We wanted to, again, understand it scientifically. So starting in the early 90s, 91, that. The science, we got into the science, started studying something called heart rate variability, and I don't need to go into the details of that, but it, it revealed a tremendous amount that indeed our emotional state, just like you said beautifully a minute ago, Rhea, that it's not just to understand what we're thinking, we have to understand what we're feeling. Well, it turns out mm -hmm. that the, the emotional state that we're in dramatically affects what the heart is doing. And because the heart mm -hmm. is a pump which is 
It's the pump, the heart produces an electrical signal 60 times stronger than anything the, the brain is producing. So the heart's the, the down, it's like the power plant of your body electrically. And magnetically, it produces a signal 5,000 times stronger than the brain. So the heart is the electrical and magnetic source of energy in your body. And that energy is being affected by whatever we're feeling. If we're feeling lonely, if we're feeling happy, if we're feeling fearful, if we're fe feeling uh, compassionate, our, our heart's responding very differently depending upon what that emotional state may be. So HeartMath heart began to see this in the lab by studying thousands of people one at a time and saw patterns and discovered that not only does the heart change in how it functions depending upon our emotional state, but because the heart is this very powerful drumbeat that's also electrical, whatever's happening in the heart goes to every single cell in our body. So if we're pissed off, if we're angry about something, the heart starts beating in a kind of chaotic rhythm that sends kind of noise, literal electric, electro, electromagnetic and biochemical noise to the brain. So we're more likely to say something stupid or make a short-sighted decision because the brain is suddenly un, sort of under attack by its own, you know, by its own body, by our own emotions. And so HeartMath figured out, wow, there's a very, very easy to measure, easy to demonstrate connection between our thoughts, our emotions, and our heart and our brain. So we're not, we actually, we don't put a hierarchy. We don't say the heart's more important than the brain or the brain's more important than the heart. Uh, there's also a brain in the gut called the enteric brain. There's also intelligence right. in every cell in the body and the skin, everything. Yeah. So we're saying it's, it's one system. So they need to be talking to each other the same language. They need to be working together. The, the heart and brain need to be in sync. If our brain's having one idea and the heart's got another one, we're in stress. The thoughts coupled by a strong emotion. Sometimes emotions right. can, can, can rise up before you even know what you're thinking. I mean, something you can have an right. instant sort of visceral reaction to somebody you're meeting for the first time. You think, oh, wow, why do I have this intense <laughs> dislike for this person right away? And I haven't even heard them say a word yet. There's some instant. So I, I think the, this, what, in some sense, it, the chicken and egg question, which comes first, is that the mind is feelings. You know, I think it's almost like which, what difference does it make in, in the sense that if we can find ways to improve right. the overall health of our minds and our emotions and our body, that's the real key. Absolutely. And I think a, 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 a study that reminded me that I remembered when you were speaking about the panic attacks, uh, in the mid-90s, as we were, getting, as HeartMath was getting deep into the research and doing larger scale studies in organizations and doing larger scale studies with individuals, some of whom had heart problems, some of whom had uh, emotional issues, whatever, whatever the case may be. Uh, one of the studies that we discovered in our research was around panic disorder and panic attacks. And this particular study, which was looking for solutions to panic attacks, found that of the people in this study, and I don't know, maybe a few hundred people, it was something like 50% of the, of the people who, in the study, all of whom had panic attacks, 50% of them had an undiagnosed defect in their heart that they were not aware of. A, a, an wow. atrial fibrillation was happening in their heart and they didn't know about it. And so what, they did, what the researchers discovered was the panic was set off by this surge coming from the heart that they weren't even conscious of. And so the panic was the heart's not, not right, but they, didn't, they weren't making the conscious connection. It was just this sudden disturbance in their system causing them to panic. The researchers then went to, to discover that if they treated the heart problem, the panic attacks went away. 
Now, that doesn't mean every wow. single person with panic attacks just because some problem with the heart, not at all. I mean, it absolutely. I mean, I, we've worked, uh, HeartMath has worked with hundreds and hundreds of, of, of veterans panic who attacks. came back from yeah, Iraq or Afghanistan right. with panic attacks based on PTSD. You know, and you know, I have, I have many friends who've gone through very significant trauma in their life, and the panic attack is brought on by the memory. You know, often the unconscious memory. You know, a, a, a car backfires, and they're suddenly back in the explosion in Baghdad or, or whatever it was. And so, you know, this kind of thing happens. And so, you know, getting to the helping people release whatever is kind of stored in the cells is is hugely important and helpful. Um, but I guess my main thing is just that. It, it is all so connected, and and so uh, the mind is hugely important in all this, and being able to um, understand how to manage our mind. And I guess in my experience, what I've found is the what is the biggest obstacle to being able to manage my mind are the unmanaged flow of emotions that can come up, where you feel someone is being uncaring to you, or that they're being not fair to you, or they're being... You know, they're treating you in such a judgmental way. And you're not even necessarily thinking that, but you're just feeling like, this is not right. And so one of the things that I've often said is positive thinking works great until the next negative emotion hits like a tsunami (laughs) and it overwhelms the positive thinking you were just doing, right? And if you're going to be telling yourself, I'm okay, I'm okay, this is good, this is good, I like this person, I like this person, and then they say something and you just, oh, my God, I hate their guts. I do that every day. You know what I'm saying? So to me, it's the world of emotions that's really so important because uh, if if we can control our mind all we want, but if there's, and that's important, absolutely, in any work we do, physical, physically speaking or professionally speaking, controlling our mind, focusing our mind, all that's super important. But the, the undercurrent of whatever emotions are going on can defeat our best attempts to be focused if we if we don't know how to do that. So that's, that's to me one of the gifts that HeartMath brought was figuring that out <laughs> and figuring out the phys- physiologically that, oh, yeah, it's all one system here. So if you learn how to regulate your heart and the patterns of your heart and, the, and your breathing and all that and at the same time that's try right. to start so focusing on more positive feelings because a lot of us, right. were, we, we grew up in somewhat negative surroundings, you know, a negative environment okay. in our family or a negative environment in our culture or our community. And so we learned... Our circuitry as kids was, was, was negative. We were it was defensive. It was, there was threat. And so we built the circuitry in our brains to expect threat a lot. Whereas, um, and, and so to get out of that, if that's how we were raised, and through no fault of anyone, that's just kind of how life happened, we have to build new circuitry that, where positive feelings, emotion, uh, rather emotions such as appreciation or gratitude or, or love or care, those start to feel more normal instead of feeling strange. And, and whereas for a lot of us, anger and stress and you know, feeling hurt, that feels normal because it's what we, we, we experienced that so much when we were younger. So heart math, I think, it made a very important contribution by demonstrating that when we're in a more positive state, like appreciation or gratitude or you know, loving oneself, let alone loving another, or loving nature, or loving the beauty of a sunset, whatever it may be, that that state, that positive emotional state, puts our body in just a, an ideal state to perform really well and to feel really good and to have more energy and to be more youthful. And so it doesn't mean we ignore the negative side, not at all, or try to push under the carpet, but it means we have to do, 
as we work on the, the, the negative stuff, we got to also replace it with something better that starts to be the new habit. And that's where I think you know, HeartMath, I've, I've benefited enormously from what I learned from HeartMath and, and oh, all we developed over the, over the years. Yeah. Oh, my God, that's awesome. Well, we're going to take a short break. But, you know, one thing that I was thinking about that as well um, before we go on to the break is the fact, you know, um, a lot of these negative things that you say, I mean, you know, obviously, you know, uh, thinking positive and doing all these things, you know, it's, it could be easy to, to for us to just say it. But I think the, the first thing we need to do before we start thinking positive, we need to get rid of the things that are not, not good. Um, and these are the programs mm-hmm. that we have grown up with, things that we were told when we were young, the package that we have with us that is just sitting there and uh, in the back of our mind, and it comes out every time a situation or event that is kind of relevant to that memories or that program that we had, we had at that time. And unless we get rid of these things, I, I mean, I've been, I've been studying this for, for quite a while, and I, I think the contribution that Hard Math has done is awesome, you know, trying to shift and realize the people that really need to focus, you know, um, on the positive and get rid of the negative and change in habit by replacing it with something better. And that's the programming. That's Those are the things that, you know, we've been carrying for a long time, and I would say is like, you know, well, what did you tell yourself, you know, like, uh, what was the last time you said something to yourself, you know, that is positive? I swear, every time I go, when I drive, um, my son goes to um, Stevens University, you know what that is, in Hoboken? Um, yes. Uh-huh. It's an it's a engineering school, yes. And so mm-hmm. I, yeah. um, you know, I'm a mother, and I want him to be, you know, so he lives on campus during the week, and he comes home on the weekend, so I take him, you know, I drive him to school on Monday. <laughs> And I, I, I pick him up on Friday, and I'm laughing because what you just said, like, I literally program my mind every day because the people around you, you know, people doing some crazy stuff the way they drive or they cut you off or whatever. And, of course, you know, that type A personality that I used to be, that would be like, oh, you know, like, how could you do that? And now, like, I literally sit in my car, and I'm mindly saying, it's like, you know, I'm not letting you do you know, I'm not going to react to this. I'm not, you know, I'm going to stay in my firm, you know, like where I'm going, what I'm doing and how, you know, so I just like breathe and, and, and follow my breath and, and so I can stay calm and not be affected by it. But you know what? Yeah, you know, exactly. This is, this is, you know, the best thing we can do. I don't know. I mean, these days uh, sometimes it's, it's uh, it can be challenging, but I think it doesn't mean like we can't do it. We can definitely do it. So let's take a short break and we come back. We're going to talk more about your journey and, and the setback that you had with your health and what, you know, came out after that. And then talk about your big event that's coming up. That's so exciting. Yeah. So we'll be right back. Awesome. Yeah. Great. Thank you for being here. Thanks. Sometimes when I'm not feeling at peace, I dance. Because through dance, I can move, I can shake out whatever's causing the not peace. And I can often then find in my body a level of peace, having kind of shaken it all up. Your Life Now radio show with Coach Rhea will return in just a few moments. Welcome back, my friends. You are listening to Your Life Now show. I am your host, Rhea Wilkie, a.k.a. Coach Rhea. And I'm so excited today because we have a really nice conversation with our Renaissance man. Um, I see I switched it around, Bruce. Instead of calling you Bruce Fire, <laughs> as known as the Renaissance Man, I'm, I'm introducing you as the Renaissance Man. Thank you so much for being here. Appreciate you. It's fun. It's, uh, I'm having a lot of fun, Rhea. Mm-hmm. So, Bruce, 
um, I'm so glad that you are healthy and now you're doing all these great things. But back in 2009, you had a little health um, crisis and, and um, what happened and how did you, how did that impact you um, in your life? Yeah, sure. Well, I'll I'll be I'll be brief. It's, it's a it was a two year period that was uh, harrowing, I, I would say, and uh, scary at times, and aggravating at times, and frustrating at times. But luckily, I got through it all, and I'm extremely healthy now, and thriving, and feeling, you know, most days pretty darn good. So basically, in two thousand late two thousand nine, I was diagnosed with cancer and uh, with a, t- a tumor, and they knew it was a cancer tumor at the time. And surgery, based on where it was in my body, was the only choice. And so that was okay. And uh, they, luckily, they got it out, and it had, not sh- it, sh- it had not shown any sign of spreading. But they started to put me on some treatments to make sure it wouldn't come back. And then I started getting staph infections from the treatments, and a series of them. And then finally, the staph got into my blood, which is a very serious, uh, life-threatening uh, deal. And so I was hospitalized for that. And then they put me on a what's called a pick line for six weeks where I had to infuse a very powerful antibiotic into my arm. It took about six hours a day to do this. And that's a, that's a lifestyle changer. <laughs> I tell you what, all of a sudden you got to be three hours in the morning and three hours a night hooked up to an IV bag dripping this powerful antibiotic into your arm. It's a, it's quite, it's quite something. Anyhow. Uh, so this was a very challenging period, you know, right. I had dealing with the cancer thought, They'd gotten everything. Now I have another life-threatening condition as a side effect of the treatment for the first life-threatening condition. So luckily I can laugh about it all now. Um, Meanwhile, I had a few years earlier been diagnosed with arthritis in both my hips uh, from running on roads too many years. And I've had a scoliosis since I was a teenager, which has caused an imbalance in my different sides of my body. So I finally, now that my body was dealing with cancer and staph infections, the arthritis was getting worse more rapidly. And I was seeking out anything I could find to uh, put off surgery as far into the future as possible. But finally, um, the the, the kind of handwriting was on the wall that I needed to go ahead and and have both hips replaced. Now, I didn't do it at the same time. It's three months apart. So so that whole ordeal wrapped around the passing of my mother, which happened towards, towards the end of all this. So all of that was going on. And at the same time, I was kind of questioning, wow, I'm CEO of this amazing organization. It's my life's work. It's a mission for me and, and to, for the world. And yet I'm, there's aspects that are not that fulfilling. I feel like I'm not being as creative as I want to be anymore. And now I'm starting to get healthy again, finally, at the end of this two-year period, period and starting to get on the upswing finally and, and no problems with the cancer anymore. The staff got under control and started to rebuild my strength after the hip surgeries and started to realize, wow, there's all this creative energy that kind of wants to come out. And first it manifested as wanting to sing. And uh, and then I found out that I could actually, even when you have titanium hips, you can dance if you if you want to, if you want to get your body back in that kind of shape. And I did. And so I, I hired a personal trainer and I started going to dance sessions and started to build my, my body back up and started to discover, wow, uh, it's amazing what the body is capable of once you get the, the, the bad stuff under control. it's uh, And here's where the power of the mind becomes really obvious and the power of the heart, both. Because my mind, at first my mind was saying, you're a little old to be getting back into great shape. And I'm thinking, what? <laughs> what kind of negative program exactly. is that that you're coming up with? Who says you're too old to get in great shape? 
I you can only be 25 so. <laughs> to get in great shape. Yeah, exactly. At, at which point I hired a personal trainer, and then you know, within a, a few months, I was like, my God, I'm feeling 30 again or 35, and um, and so uh, and and the body was you know responding very well, and it was really thrilling to me. Actually, the strength was coming back as well as it was, and. And so th- th- there was this creative surge as well of like wanting to sing, wanting to dance. All this stuff was going on at the same time. And, and um, uh, so, you know, there's, there's a lot more pieces to the story, but I was able to start singing again. I started a project with a dear friend of mine who was a roommate of mine in college. And we started this project called What Makes Your Heart Sing. And the purpose of this thesis <laughs> was, what, was we, okay. yeah, we, we call it a keynote performance. So it's got elements of a keynote speech, right? And like I've done hundreds of speeches around the world to large audiences, but I never had music as part of it or I never sang as part of it. But in our keynotes, my partner Gary Malkin and I do, um, we have quite a few songs that we do. We involve the audience. They get to sing with us or can we even come up on stage if some of them want to you know, pretend they're backup singers for Beyonce or something. <laughs> so we, have, we have a great time. The people are very energized by this. And the whole spirit of it is to help awaken inspiration in people because so many people are burned out and they're in jobs that don't fulfill them or in relationships that aren't fully satisfying and, and they're burned out. And, and then as we age, you know, if you're emotionally burning out, well, the physical just comes right along and, and then you get start getting all kinds of physical stuff, as I did. And um, so I, what I've discovered was that my story of kind of coming back from some pretty heavy stuff uh, was inspiring to others. And uh, little by little, I realized, uh, and this is right after this, Rhea, is when I started getting these comments. Wow, you're like a renaissance man. You, you, you do all, you, you sing, you dance, you're, you do all this photography, and, and yet you still teach at Stanford, and you write for the Harvard Business Review. You know, it's an interesting life. So that's when I kind of started to fully embrace it and realize, yeah, yeah, and I'm so grateful. I mean, life is not easy. Life still has its challenges. That's part of the point is that life has challenged and that's how you grow. And that's, that's part of the fun is to experience weird, wild things and get through them and survive and, be, and, and live to talk about it. And uh, so it's been, it's been a, quite a journey. And, and about a year ago, just uh, a little bit more than a year ago, I was approached by these two young rock stars, 30-somethings, who I knew already. And we had started to become friends and I knew they were super talented, just, Amazing singers, amazing songwriters, uh, such talented performers. And they basically pitched me on the idea of doing an album with them, where, but it would be my songs, and they would help me write songs. And I said, well, actually, I've never even wanted to write a song, so, like, why would I do this? <laughs> and uh, although singing them would be fun, getting in a recording studio, that would be fun. And they kind of said to me in so many words that, well, we think there's music in you because it's been in you all along. And we can help you get it out and in a form that you'll be you know, satisfied with. And we'll produce an album. And I said, yeah, let's do this. And I was already thinking of this, this term renaissance human. And as I was saying yes to this idea of doing the album, I thought this is an expression of the renaissance human in me. I, I do a variety of creative things already, but I'd never written a song, never wanted to write a song. This is a big creative challenge to not only write songs, but also to then record them so the world can hear the maybe crappy songs. And then to launch the whole album at a concert in New York City. Like, you could, I could have picked Dubuque, Iowa, some you know, out-of-the-way out awesome. place. But no, let's go Manhattan. Why not? Of course. 
so that's what's happening. So this big event that you referred to is and, Saturday, and May 5th. more about it. When, yeah, when is it? Yeah. Yeah, so it's really soon. It's like 10 days from now, uh, nine days from now. Eek! And, uh, yeah, Saturday, May 5th in the city. Okay. Uh, we have a wonderful venue that's co-sponsoring it called the New York Open Center, which is a place where a lot of people go for education around health and spirituality and personal right. development and creativity. And so they're the hosts. Uh, we're doing it in the great hall of the, of the center. And when I say we, these two uh, brothers who approached me, uh, named Isaac and Torald Corin, also known as the Brothers Corin, also known as the Kin, they were uh, big recording artists um, in, over the last 10 or 15 years. They toured with Coldplay. They performed with Pink, Rod Stewart. They've had quite a, a careers. And now we're like great friends because we've done this album together and we've worked together on these songs and we produced them together and recorded them. And they'll be flying out from California to join me. They'll be performing some of their own songs. They got a big fan base of the kin here in, in, in the city and we'll be doing songs from the album. And then I've got two Broadway stars who I, one of whom I performed with many years ago when I was in this show called the Fantastics in New York, a woman named Sarah Rice, who is a, uh, she won a Theater World Award for her performance in Sweeney Todd, uh, many other big Broadway shows, Candide, A Little Night Music, and another amazing guy named David Cryer, same last name as me, because he's my eldest cousin, an amazing singer, been on Broadway for years, Phantom of the Opera, Evita, 1776, the list goes on. And the three of us, David, Sarah, and I, are all going to be doing songs from the Fantastics because we were all in the Fantastics at different times. Sarah and I performed together, but I never performed with David. So that'll be kind of a really fun, trippy thing. And then last but not least is my buddy that I referred to moments ago with this What Makes Your Heart Sing project, Gary Malkin, who's a seven-time Emmy Award-winning composer and a brilliant pianist and amazing performer. He's flying out from San Francisco to join us for several songs. I'll be singing one of his songs. Um, so it's going to be quite a night. It's called Rock Meets Broadway at the Open Center, Saturday night, May 5th. And y'all come. Anybody in the, in, in, in the New York area, you want a great night of a little bit of rock, a little bit of Broadway, um, you'll get it. And then some. Yeah, we'd love to see you. And then, yeah, make it make a day out of it, too. You know, go, go to dinner. And then what, what time is the show? Is uh, the show starts at eight, so and, yeah, and eight, rumor yeah, has it that yeah, exactly. Rumor has it that the weather's really going to get warm next week too. That, you know, we've been in this kind of late winter; winter won't let go kind of thing <laughs> for, for weeks now. But it's supposed to be changed. We're supposed to get up to the eighties next week, so we could have some gorgeous weather for the that evening. We'll see. But uh, yeah, awesome. it's going to be a, a fun a fun night. I'm I'm I'm, I'm pinching myself. This is even happening and. Uh, you know, if somebody had told me I would be living in, I would, I would be living in New York. I, yeah, it's it's super fun. It's super fun. That's really cool. But yeah, no, that's awesome. But you know, so you do all these fantastic things, and and you actually you taught at Stafford, right? Um, university for twenty years. What I'm still you, teaching um, there. Okay. I I still I teach okay. um, I I teach uh, four. Uh, courses every um, twice a year. Right, currently, I teach a heart math course there, which I've been doing for about. Okay. I've taught heart math in one form or another for 21 years at Stanford, and then starting last year, I developed a course around creativity and innovation for Stanford, and I teach that. It's a three-session course, and um, on creativity, 
and I'll be teaching that same course here in New York in the fall at the Open Center. So um, wow. I'm I'm really cool. and now that I'm now that I'm uh, <laughs> well, it's fun, you know, and I I I want to have fun in my life, and I th- I believe life is about having fun, and life it has some very serious moments where you have to deal with challenging, sobering news a lot of times. We've all had our, our challenges. And yet to the extent we can do it with a light heart and do it with a playful spirit and with a, a young body and a young mind, we're better off. So, and I found that um, everyone um, is more creative. Nearly everyone is much, far more creative than they realize. And when I say nearly everyone, some people already know yeah. they're super creative. <laughs> but a lot of people yeah. don't no, and because I, I, they, were, I they were told... Yeah. A lot of people were told as kids, you know, Rhea, you know, you're you're a lovely person, but you know, don't be singing. You know, <laughs> sing by yourself, but don't let other people hear it, you know. Or you know, that poetry you're working on, no, not a good idea. You really need to no, be an engineer. Don't, don't do that. Keep be your much day more stable. <laughs> Keep your day job. And in and in work yeah. this happens. You know, pe- pe- people are told, you know what? Don't be given suggestions to the marketing team. Just stay focused on selling. Just just keep selling. Don't you know? And so there's a creative urge that people have naturally to contribute and to come up with ideas, and that gets shot down all over the place, and and that backs up in people's systems. When that energy can't release that that, that urge to create and to do and to solve problems, when that isn't uh, celebrated and allowed to come out, it backs up in our system energetically and and can cause yeah. ill health. And so the yeah. course at Stanford that I teach about creativity is called Creativity as Your Personal Well-Being Strategy because uh, right. I believe that when we are doing creative things that we love, the energy of loving what we're doing is exactly what our bodies need. Now, we don't always get to, you know, in our jobs, do everything that we love, right? There's certain things about the jobs that we have are like, oh, man, i got to do that, oh. But you got to do it. You know, you just you, there's no way around it. Um, but but if you have if your work is too much of the stuff that you hate and there's there's none of that juice that's like God I love doing this, then it's really rough. So part of why getting in touch with our own creativity in whatever way that manifests. My sweetheart is a Pilates instructor, and she is so alive. Whenever I hear her talking about teaching Pilates or working with people around Pilates. And I just, I love her energy when she's doing that stuff that she loves. And I think we all have, know that side of ourselves. When we're really doing something we love, our whole day is transformed, even if we've got other parts of the day that are challenging and stressful and everything else. So uh, this is my mission, and that's why I call it Renaissance Human. Exactly. No, I was thinking, I mean, we really definitely, because... and and detach for some of the things. I mean, you know, like obviously when you when you have something that needs to be attached or whatever, and professionally you're working on it, you know, of course you got to stick with it. You got to get it done. You know, you focus on it. But when you wanted to do things for yourself, and you know, like sometimes, like I love to cook. I consider myself like a very, uh, you know, <laughs> but I won't do it professionally. I would never do it professionally. Because I do it because I enjoy doing it. And any time you put something, you know, like, I mean, it depends on how you view things in a different, you know. Um, for me, like, I watch, for instance, you know, um, uh, what was this? Uh, Chef something, I can remember. Um, actually, down in, in New York City, um, Hell Kitchen or, or uh, Chef, you know. Mm-hmm. Like, 
okay, so you enjoy cooking <laughs> and you're going to competing again, you know, you making it something that is different. I don't know. I mean, I think that takes the, also the creativity yeah. out of things. Um, when we overthink them, when we, we try to already ahead of time, ahead of ourselves, really figure out what the outcome is. I think that's, that's what makes people not do things because they overthink it. And then they say, Oh, oh yes. you know, this is not going to work. And, and if I do it this way, I'm going to fail. If I do it that way. And then, so they stop in their traps, not to mention all the other programs that they have telling them that why they shouldn't be doing it. So give us some, um, uh, information that we can share with our listeners as far as where they can go find out more about the event. Um, I know your your website is Bruce Cryer. I, do I pronounce your name right? Please tell me I am. <laughs> yes, Bruce Cryer. Yeah, okay. yes, that's right. correct. And, and my site is BruceCryer.com, right? So that's your website. I don't know if it's in there. And then there's also the RenaissanceHuman.com, right? Is that correct? Uh, actually, actually, it's RenaissanceHuman.co.co. Oh, that's cool. I thought I missed. I, I thought I'm missing an M. Okay, so it's .co. I've never seen that before. It okay. is. Yeah, that's that's a, a popular one these days too. Well, and to be, okay. mention the concert again, um, the if you go to the open the website of Open Center, OpenCenter.org. Uh, which sure. is the okay. location um, in New York, 30th at Madison. Their website, opencenter.org, has a listing called Rock Meets Broadway, and that's the name of the event. Uh, it's called Rock Meets Broadway, an evening with musical theater star Bruce Cryer and acclaimed rock singers, the Brothers Corin, and that's that's where you sign up to to get your tickets. So opencenter.org, um, and then Rock Meet, and then search for Rock Meets Broadway, and you'll find it. And uh, yeah, it's it's great stuff. And and yeah, I talked a lot about HeartMath earlier in HeartMath.com. Heart Heart Human Heart M A T H HeartMath is is that organization okay. that I still am affiliated with, and they're doing fantastic work. I'm actually doing a workshop in New York City on June 15th at the Open Center on HeartMath as well. So June 15th, oh, a workshop fantastic. on stress okay. and stress and resilience about HeartMath uh, on Friday, June 15th. Great so uh, going to the open open center webs org and just put in my name and you'll find these these uh, the concert. But I'd love to see people on May fifth because it's going to be an amazing evening. It'll be more theatrical than the usual concert, but not as theatrical as a Broadway show. So some somewhere between a concert and a, and a Broadway show. <laughs> a lot of blast. Wow. You know, we can go on for longer, and because there's so much stuff that I wanted to ask you, but you know what? We'll have you back on the show again. Maybe we'll talk after, you know, also the uh, the event and see how things are went. I know it's gonna, everything's going to go great. Um, thank you so much, Bruce, for being my guest again and for, for all this great, you know, information that you shared with us. I want to just take us, you know, <laughs> what, the, what makes Bruce heart sing? What makes your heart sing? Leave us with that. <laughs> what makes my heart sing? Luckily, there's a lot of things that make it sing. Well, <laughs> I realize give us one, like, uh, the one, the first thing that comes out of your mind. Getting the chance to create in ways that inspire others really makes my heart sing. That's awesome. Whether that means creating a show, creating a song, creating a photo, creating a, a blog, a poem, whatever it may be, creating something that I that might inspire someone else, that makes my heart sing. 
Yeah, that's what drives me every day, honestly. I feel the same way because I feel like, you know, when I see, you know, results happening and, you know, my clients and people that I get in touch with and, I, I you know, like they say something to me that makes me feel like, oh, my God, this is this is why I'm doing what I'm doing. This is why I love it. So I appreciate yeah. you. I appreciate yeah. every single, yeah, everything that you're doing. And, and uh, I wish you a great event. Um, unfortunately, because I'm traveling, I couldn't be there, but I definitely will be, you know, um, to the next one. So don't make it too long before you have another event after this one, too. Mm, thank you. Thanks so yeah. much, Ria. It was thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyable to talk with you, and I hope, you guess, I hope your uh, listeners got a lot out of it, too. Yeah, no, I appreciate you. Well, you know, just a quick reminder again, guys, the show will be archived the minute we go off the air and ready for your listening here on the same link. If you have the link, you can also go to iTunes in the podcast section. And, uh, of course, with the, uh, you know, the store, you can put your Life Now show uh, or put my name, Coach Rhea or Rhea Wilkie. You'll find our podcast and, of course, our website. That's a simple way. We have a player there that all the episodes are on there. And uh, they are available for you to download and uh, listen at your leisure as well at yourlifenow.info. Much, much love to all. Thank you, Bruce, again. Have a fantastic afternoon. My pleasure. You too. Thank you. Just one more thing. It takes collaboration, mutual agreement, and action to make the impossible possible. So go out there and celebrate who you are, and join hands, and make the impossible possible. And always position yourself and your business for success. Be present. Look for insight. Take action. Take a small step. Evaluate what you are doing. And remember where you are so you know where you are heading. Stay amazing. Much love to all.